Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. You know, we had our show yesterday. We're right back today, as promised, and uh, recording pretty early in the day, so you've got a full day to listen to it. Uh, last night, the Connolly Trophy was awarded, and uh, I've got some things to say about that. I do, and uh, all due respect to Patrick Shegog, he would not have been my vote. Just going to say it for what it is. Now, here's the deal. Patrick Shegog, obviously, uh, you know, out of Batesville, Mississippi, uh, played at Delta State. He was originally committed to Tulane. Uh, had a big year. There's no, no doubt about it. 2,618 yards passing, 32 touchdowns against two picks. That, that's an incredible ratio there. He ran for 690 yards and 12 touchdowns. And uh, the first trophy for a Delta State statesman, the Fighting Okra, since 1996 when Josh Bright won it, also South Panola guy. Uh, but here's what I would say. Bookie Watson should have won the award. And to be honest with you, it shouldn't have been close. All due respect to Patrick Shegog. I got nothing against that guy at all, period. But, guys, Buki Watson is leading the Southeastern Conference in tackles. You know, Jet Johnson did it last year. Buki was second. They're first and second this year. Just flip-flopped the order. Buki Watson, the most productive tackler in the most difficult conference in college football for 2023. And he can't win the award as the Connerly Trophy winner. He said, but Steve, now here's, here's the thing too that I'm gonna point out to you, okay? And again, while I may be a Heisman voter, I'm not a Connerly voter, which is rather interesting. Uh, maybe it depends on who's doing the picking. Babuki Watson, 137 tackles this year, 13 of those for loss, 10 sacks, an interception, a couple pass deflections, a couple forced fumbles, a couple fumble recoveries. Guys had a big year. Going to be drafted. Probably not going to be a first-rounder. But a guy that's going to do some big things. You say, Steve, 137 is a lot of tackles. As a matter of fact, it is. And I would suggest to you, the Boneyard listener, that there is a bit of an inherent bias. And I'm sure I'll get some texts about this and calls and say, Steve, you're wrong. Well, maybe I am. But I would say most of the voters in the Connolly Trophy probably believe that Patrick Gullis is one of the best linebackers to ever play in the state of Mississippi. I would agree with that. Patrick Gullis was incredible at Ole Miss. 
And you know what he did his most productive season at Ole Miss? He had 137 tackles. Three sacks, one fumble recovery, two forced fumbles. Sabuki Watson, in his final year at Mississippi State, had numbers that were comparable and in some cases better than Patrick Willis had. But yet, Buki doesn't win the award. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's just a trophy. It is. But if we're going to give it out, I think there should be uh, some accountability for all that. And, of course, it's all a matter of opinion. But I just have a tough time seeing Buki Watson not win when he matched and in some cases exceeded the productivity of the guy that many people consider the greatest linebacker of the modern era in Mississippi College football. It's just me. So, yeah, I'm disappointed for Buki. I think he deserved it. I don't think there was any question. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins won it last year. To me, that was an obvious pick. I thought Buki was this year. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, Mississippi State offensive lineman Cole Smith was awarded the whole trophy. You know, that award's not uh, not as long-running as the, uh, the Connor League. But uh, Cole Smith from Mississippi State – a native of Pontotoc, Mississippi, a Bulldog legacy, uh, was awarded the whole trophy. That wasn't news. They just kind of had the formal presentation last night. Very happy for Cole Smith. He is the sixth Mississippi State Bulldog to win the award. Gabe Jackson won it back in 2013. Justin Sr., remember that name? Won it in 2016. Martinez Rankin in 17. Elton Jenkins in 18. So it was three consecutive years the Bulldogs won the whole trophy, and then Charles Cross in 2021, and now uh, Cole Smith. And so congratulations to the winners. Congratulations to all the nominees. It is an honor to be uh, mentioned in connection with the Connerly Trophy. Uh, I just disagree with how this thing broke down. Just my personal opinion. Other people will disagree, obviously, because they voted for Patrick Shegog, and in no way am I diminishing the year that Patrick Shegog had. But Buki Watson put up better numbers against better competition uh, in a year where Mississippi State had a lot of negative things going on. I think that has to factor in as well. Just my personal opinion. But, um, again, I'm not part of the voting process. Nobody called and said, Steve, who do you think we should vote for? But I'm going to offer it now because it's a free country. And it's my show. So I'll say what I want to say. But uh, it, was, it was wrong in my estimation, in my belief. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Man, I love Bulldog Burger Company. I might even get in there and eat today. You just never know. I kind of got a hankering for that Mississippi barbecue burger. It's fabulous. It is. I don't get it with onions, though. Maybe you, maybe you get the onion straws. I don't. I'm a little extra, I guess. But all that said, I know this. When I go to Bulldog Burger Company and I put my feet under their table, I'm going to leave satisfied. I'm going to be happy with the price that I pay, the service that I receive, and certainly the meal that I'm going to consume. And I'm going to get that uh, Nutella shake to go more times than not. Yeah. Because uh, I'm a proponent of dessert to go. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer and make the world a more beautiful place. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. Trust the science, they say. It's in writing on the menu. That's no accident. Where do you think they got that idea from? Right here on the Boneyard. Proud Partners. We'll build a burger company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, 
Let's talk staffing. As you guys know, late yesterday was shared that uh, Chad Bumpus staying home. And then this morning we learned, and first to report, I might add, on jeanspage.com, that David Turner is going to be retained. So let's kind of go through this whole scenario here. Number one, I think these are absolutely fabulous decisions. Uh, Chad Bumpus, of course, a Mississippi State fan favorite. And really not just because of the fact that he was a tremendous player here, but uh, he has worked his way up the ranks. You know, he was a GA and spent some time at Buffalo. Jordan Mark, Mark Hudspeth at Austin P. put together a nice run there, left and went to Utah. Of course, uh, played for the Pac-12 championship out there for Kyle Whittingham. Then we have the opportunity to bring him home, and I'll be honest with you, man, I was sick thinking about Chad coming home, finally having a chance to coach at his alma mater, and then to see Zach Arnett fired. And uh, I know that there was some conversations between Chad Bumpus and Jeff Levy last week, even before Levy was named the, uh, the head coach. And so that's how things were trending. And uh, give uh, Chad a thumbs up there for, uh, for reaching out. But, uh, yeah, announced yesterday. I know that news is very well received. If you know Chad as a person, you kind of understand kind of what I'm going at here. Chad Bumpus is a guy that loves Mississippi State, a guy that knows what it takes to compete in the Southeastern Conference. He understands the challenges that we face on the recruiting trail. And I don't think this is very good news for Ole Miss. I think it's great news for Mississippi State. I don't think it's great news for the Rebels because of the fact when Chad Bumpus committed years ago, yeah, back in that 2009 class, seems like forever ago now, but the greatest recruiting class in the history of this fine institution was 2009. Yeah, you remember that one? I'm sure you do. Had Tyler Russell and Cam Lawrence and, uh, you know, of course, Chad Bumpus and Denias Timms and so many others. And uh, we had a ton of pros in that class, Chris White, many others. Those guys won a lot of football games, won some egg bowls, had some big moments in the maroon and white. And so, Chad understands how the rivalry works. And he told me when he committed, I wanted to be a part of the rivalry. And one of the things I can tell you for sure, Chad Bumpus understands what's required for us to move this thing forward from a recruiting standpoint. He, he knows all the tricks. He's been there and done that. He understands completely about the in-state recruiting model. And that's important. I think there are so many coaches that show up. And I remember having a conversation with Dan Mullen shortly after he got here. I told him, I said, recruiting in Mississippi is going to be like anything you've ever seen. And he kind of blew it off. He goes, oh, you know, I know what it's like. I, I recruited BYU and Utah. And I thought, coach, all due respect, all due respect, it's completely different. I said, you will have Ole Miss fighting against you every step of the way, all the way up to the night before signing day. You're going to have to defend your commitments. And if they can't get them, they'll simply try to push them away from you. You never know what's going to happen. There's going to be some red Nike backpacks that make the rounds. And, of course, now, you know, even though we have NIL, there's still some dirty money out there. Don't, don't kid yourself. And every coach is coming here, I've explained to them. I said, listen, w- one of the things that I respect about Ole Miss – is they are very serious about recruiting. Now, of course, there's no scoreboard in recruiting. You know, they like recruiting rankings, and I can tell you some stories one day about uh, the star grubbing that the Ole Miss coaches have done over the years. 
I've been on some of those conference calls. You know, with Scout, we used to get that all the time. Hey, let's take another look at this kid. Well, why? Why? Where are we looking at him? Well, you know, we got a call that maybe we have him undervalued. I said that call wouldn't have happened to come from Ed Orsron and his staff, right? Or Houston Nut staffers, or Kent, or any of those guys. Well, yeah. And I remember a rankings discussion we had about Chad Bumpus and Corvick Neat. Remember that? Corvick Neat? So Chad Bumpus goes to Ole Miss. They nearly tears his ACL on that, you know, discount, dirty, cheap rug they had in that IPF they call a facility. And uh, Chad was always going to come to Mississippi State. He worked through the process, but we, we always knew that he was coming here. And so when it was obvious that Ole Miss wasn't going to be able to get him, despite their best efforts, then they began to disparage him as a recruit. And they said that Corvick Neat was just as good or better than Chad Bumpus. That's a true story. And uh, the guy that covered Florida at the time, I won't put his name out there, but he's a friend, dug in his heels and he goes, no, we're not doing this. This Corvick Neat kid is, we had him as a two-star, yeah. And I think they elevated him to a low-level three-star just because of the fact we had some people within the industry that were trading rankings for access. And uh, there are a couple people, obviously, that left Scout and things began to change because we wanted to have integrity in what we did. And I give Scott Kennedy a lot of credit for that. Scott's like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to trade stars for access. You remember Joshua Sheeney, kicker at Ole Miss? A complete, absolute great player, for sure. But he was not ranked. And then all of a sudden, the night before signing day, some recruiting services uh, award him four stars. It was an embarrassment. But uh, I give my friend in Florida a lot of credit. He goes, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to sign off on this. He said, guys, let's watch the film together. And we did. And Chad Bumpus was ten times the player and prospect that Corvick Neat was. And, of course, you go look at their numbers on the college level and see that Chad Bumpus uh, did more in one or two games than Corvick Neat did in his entire career at Ole Miss. And so that's an aspect of things that I don't think you guys always consider. Everybody's like, well, the rankings, the rankings are beating in this. Nobody, nobody, no matter who the head coach is, nobody does more uh, to reach out and grub for stars than the Ole Miss staff does. That's just kind of how it always has been. And it's a, it's a joke within the industry. It is. I can't begin to tell you how many times that we've had these discussions. And uh, a few years back, we did a, uh, an analysis on who did the most with their ranking as far as teams go. You take that composite ranking over a year, and then there was a correlation between wins and losses, and who did best. And you know who did the least with the most in the Southeastern Conference? You want to take a stab at that? It was Ole Miss. That Ole Miss's on-the-field production did not match their recruiting production. Mississippi State finished third as far as production compared to actual recruiting rankings. And that's how you know, Dan Mullen and that staff actually developed such a reputation as being a program of development. It's like, hey, they went and got these guys. I would argue that many of those guys at State signed were just underrated. But Chad understands that aspect of it. And here's the deal, too. It's not about what happens on signing day. And listen, I come from an industry where signing day is a huge part of what we do. Signing day and reporting day used to be very different days because of the fact that people would go load up on these non-qualifiers that had a bunch of rankings so they could claim that they signed a top 10 or top 5 class or whatever, 
And then on reporting day, some of those guys that wouldn't qualify uh, weren't there. So we'd do an adjusted ranking, and then some people would plummet. One of those schools was typically Ole Miss. So there's a battle of perception. But give me production over perception. And I think that's what Chad Bumpus understands. Chad Bumpus is a guy that has been in the wars as a recruit and now as a coach within the in-state, Magnolia State, uh, recruiting wars. And, of course, he goes right up there to North Panola and gets J.J. Harrell committed. And J.J. Harrell came out even after Zach Arnett was fired and said, as long as they keep Coach Bump, I'm good. We've kept Coach Bump, and now J.J. Harrell, true to his word, is good. Yeah. This morning we get news that David Turner is being retained. We uh, were told back on Monday that Coach Levy planned to meet with all the staff the next two to three days. Of course, uh, there's some guys we all know that are not going to be retained, so it's not exactly breaking news. Uh, certainly Kevin Barbet, who is a fine individual, and I think a fine football coach. I think he was in a pretty bad position this year. I don't blame him for everything, but um, especially when you lose QB1 and RB1 for uh, middle part of the season. Uh, Barbet's not going to be retained. He also has no uh, connection to Jeff Levy or that style of offense. So it stands to reason we wish Kevin the best. And also, Dave Turner being retained, that, that's huge for Mississippi State. Is there ever Think about this for a second. Just think about the modern era. We've had some great coaches over the years. Who has done more to put players in a National Football League at Mississippi State than David Turner? You know, Dave Turner's resume is just go out there and lay the contracts for Fletcher Cox and Chris Jones and Jeffrey Simmons on the desk. That's your resume right there. That's it. Look at the money those guys have made. Mississippi guys that came in here, a couple of those guys very highly recruited and uh, came here and fulfilled their potential, and now they're making millions of dollars in the National Football League. It's a huge, huge, huge development. In addition, Dave Turner, it's not just about recruiting. It's about evaluation. It's about development. That's what David Turner has done. And just look over the years, and we, maybe we could put a file together. Maybe it's a good article for us. How many guys David Turner has taken from Mississippi State and put in the National Football League? We could probably figure out how much money those guys have made. Probably a good con. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. 
You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's an opportunity for us. So to me, it's a no-brainer. And yes, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinators, when they're hired, will have some say in how things are staffed. Mainly on defense, but I think everybody knows David Turner is widely respected, not just throughout the Southeastern Conference, but the country. And it's not just like he's just found a home here at Mississippi State. Number one, he knows that he can find the players that fit his system that will come in willing to work. But, you know, Miles Garrett obviously was a star at Texas A&M. David Turner had him flourishing too. I mean, you go back and just look wherever David Turner has gone, whether it be Kentucky or Mississippi State, wherever, David Turner has gotten the most out of his players. I do think we asked him to do a lot this last uh, couple of years with a three-man front, or this past year with a three-man front. That's not really his calling card. David can coach anything, but I think he's most comfortable with a four-man front, whether you've got a stand-up end or you've got guys with their hand in the ground. So this is a major development for Mississippi State and exceptionally good news. And again, not just as a recruiter, but as a developmental piece, but also, too, I can tell you, let me give you a quick story. I may have shared this with you guys before. When David Turner was at Texas A&M, I got a message from P.J. Jones, God rest his soul, a very tortured individual that um, you know, had some real challenges in life. And uh, P.J. had hit me up, and he goes, you know, I never got my degree from Mississippi State. And I'm like, what? I didn't understand that. What, what are you talking about? He goes, no, I never got my degree. And uh, he was really depressed about it. So I hit up David Turner, who was at Texas A&M. And I said, hey, Dave, P.J. is in a bad spot. Said that uh, he never got his degree. And David was confused like I was. He goes, well, surely he did. 
And David Turner, despite the fact that he coached another team in the Southeastern Conference, picked up the phone and called Miss Ancar. They, they figured it out, what he needed to do. He was one class short. That was it. And David Turner reached out to P.J. Jones, and he told him, he goes, whatever we need to do, we'll do it. We're going to take care of this for you. Now, I don't know that P.J. ever completed the course. I don't suspect that he did. But it says a lot about David Turner as a man. You know, he could have easily just said, hey, you know what, it's not my problem anymore. You know, I don't coach at Mississippi State. No, but he maintained a relationship with his players, and he wanted them to have a good life. And as I shared with you guys, uh, you know, after Big Keith and little Keith Joseph died in that car accident, David Turner is one of the first people I reached out to to make sure that he knew. And by this time, David had gotten the word, hadn't had it for long. And David told me something that changed my life in many respects, about how I absorb negative news in my life. And I was really upset. Um, I had a great relationship, more so with Big Keith than Marshawn, who we called Lil' Keith, Keith Jr. Uh, I had a great relationship with Big Keith, and I love uh, Lil' Keith too. But um, Big Keith was a great guy and a guy that uh, had done some amazing things in his life to help other people. And uh, I remember thinking it just wasn't going to work. You know, I said, How's this, how does this happen now? Well, you lose them both. And Dave said, Steve, God makes no mistakes. God makes no mistakes. And he goes, this isn't what we wanted. This isn't what we expected. And to us, it seems like it's unfair, but God makes no mistakes. And he told me, he goes, you know what? I don't know that one could have made it without the other. That it may have been even more merciful for both of them to go together. Because I just don't know that they could have, uh, have survived or recovered from this if one had been lost and the other not. And um, so anytime something negative happens or I get some negative news, I always remember that big country voice of David Turner telling me, God makes no mistakes. There's always a plan that we're not privy to. And I think David Turner not only is a man of character and a man of faith, man of football, man of family, He's a Mississippi State guy. He exemplifies what we expect our coaches to be like. We understand that David Turner is a guy that uh, understands that most of our players are not going to be players in the National Football League. But the hope is someday they're going to be husbands and fathers and productive members of our society. And David Turner does his best to prepare those young men for those opportunities. There are a lot of people out there that can go coach the four- and five-star kid and say, look at what I've done. Look at me. Puff that chest out. Say, look at me. Look at what I've produced. But I can promise you David Turner loves that kid that walked on the team and played on a scout team just as much as he does those guys that were stars in the Southeastern Conference. That is the measure of a man right there. Not as how he treats the best people, the people that perhaps are giving him the greater benefit, the guys that are allowing him to build a resume, that'd be easy to do. But for David Turner to be that guy that said, you know what, hey, that guy that's out there getting our offense ready, he's just as valuable to us from a team standpoint. Yeah, that guy's never going to make millions of dollars. He'll probably never make a dime playing football. But he's valuable. And David Turner respects those people. There are not many people that have coached at Mississippi State that I respect more than David Turner, more so as a man and mentor than a, than a football coach. There are a lot of people out there making a lot of money, coaching a lot of football, got a lot to say. But if I'm putting a football staff together, let's say I got the job tomorrow, you know, coaching LSU or Arkansas or wherever, you know, chance of that happening or none. One of the first phone calls I would make 
is to David Turner. And because of the fact that David Turner understands what truly matters in life. Football is just his vehicle to deliver those life lessons to these young men. And uh, we've had some discussions before back when I'd have the combines and I would send all these guys the numbers and things like that. And Dave Turner was also a guy, too, that, uh, you know, if there was a kid that he wasn't going to take or maybe a guy that could play at a lower level, Dave Turner would get on the phone and call another coach and say, hey, we got a kid's a little bit undersized for us. However, this kid can really play. And so he would spread the word to help young men get, get scholarship opportunities somewhere else. There are so many people that are so self-absorbed and so self-centered. It's all about what I'm working on. What I'm working on is what matters most. That's not the case with David Turner. David Turner basically is using football as a ministry to make the difference in young men's lives. It's incredible. And you will not find people. You won't find anybody out there that will say they've been mistreated by David Turner. That's a true story. So I'm glad to have him back. Now, a few other things. I put up a hot board over at jeanspage.com. The people asked for it, and we are proponents of giving people what they want. And so we've got a football hot board up, kind of broken down. There's a slide for each position. Some have more information than others. And as we learn things, we'll update those slides, and we will uh, change it from 1.0 to 2.0. But right now, the only two hires on the staff are hired from within. Guys that we retained, that's Bumpus and Turner. We do expect some news in the next day or so. Obviously, uh, the contact period opens up on December 1st. I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, what to expect recruiting-wise last segment of the show. But you need to have the bulk of your staff in place, and you need to be able to go into a living room and say, yeah, this is going to be your coach. And you go in there and say, hey, we're going to run an exciting brand of offense. Okay, coach, that's great. It's all exciting. I've seen the highlight videos, but who's going to coach me? I'm a tight end. Who's my tight end's coach? you got to figure all that stuff out, right? And so you need to get people in place. And I don't know that we have a full staff together by the end of the week. I think we will next week uh, before we bring guys in for official visits. Uh, but I think, you know, this weekend, championship weekend is big. The portal opens on Monday. So look for this to happen. You'll have some guys accept jobs. Uh, and, again, feel really confident about the names that we've listed on our hot board over jeanspage.com. Uh, one name in particular that I will give you guys here, you'll have to go read the, the list otherwise, but uh, there is a name that was passed on to me even in the days prior to Jeff Levy getting the job. They said, hey, if Levy gets the job, uh, you can expect that uh, there's, there's one particular guy that he is going to bring with him. And... Um, and that's going to be Matt Holchek. Uh, Matt Holchek was at Ole Miss with him, and in many respects uh, kind of treated like a low-level staffer. But uh, you know, Holchek is a guy that worked at Ole Miss and Oklahoma as an offensive analyst. Uh, does he make a move on the field? Does he become like a quarterback's coach, uh, passing game coordinator? I don't know. Is he ready for that? Or is he just going to be an analyst? I don't know. But I'm told that he is Levy's guy. That he will be on staff in some capacity. Um, So I think it's important to understand uh, that there are some names that are out there. And we're going to continue to work to get them. But you can read everything that we've heard so far over on the hot board at jeanspage.com. And, of course, uh, look for Holacek 
to be announced sometime soon in some capacity as a Mississippi State staffer. I, I was told that uh, initially he was kind of treated like a low-level staffer at Ole Miss and then really showed his value and that even when Levy left to go to, uh, to Oklahoma that Lane Kiffin wanted to retain him at Ole Miss. That's what a good job he did. So it'll be nice to have him. And uh, you always want your coach to have the best people around them and put them in a position to, uh, you know, to make some things happen. You know, you want them to have their people. That's an important part of all of us. You know, you want your, your, your coaches to have the people of their inner circle around them that can help propel this thing forward. That's an important aspect of all of this. And um, so, yeah, look for, uh, look for Holacek uh, to be a part of that as we kind of move forward with all that. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Maybe you are a person that's got it all figured out. I don't. I don't. And when it comes to matters of importance where I don't have a lot of expertise, I defer to the experts. The mortgage industry is one of those things. Despite the fact that I spent a couple of years working in the mortgage industry, a lot's changed since then. So I depend on people that know the most up-to-date regulations and how everything works and what the underwriting guidelines are. Don't try to go it alone. Don't just go down to the, your local bank and say, okay, this is what we want to do. Listen, if you're a person that uh, is in need of a mortgage, Blair Chandler can help get you in one. And it is a very, very, very complicated process at times. Guys like Blair Chandler can simplify that process for you and be your advocate with underwriting. Give him a text or call today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard. That's an important aspect of this thing, too. Blair likes doing business with everybody, but you, know, you might get a little special attention. If you're a Bulldog fan, yeah, nothing else. You'll have something else to talk about other than, uh, you know, your mortgage. And, again, visit him at CloseWithBlair.com. All right, this is our last show of November. Yeah, it is because uh, there's only 30 days in November. Yeah, so it's our last show of November. So we're going to say goodbye to November with songs about November. How about that? One of the things that I've noticed, too, and there's not a ton of songs about November, but the ones that are are kind of blue and gray, you know, they're not always the most exciting songs. You know, it's like we're, we're in the holidays. And the holidays are tough for a lot of people. And so the music kind of reflects that. But uh, I picked these songs, with a little a little message behind each of them, I guess you could say. But uh, it's something we haven't done before. So songs about November. Number 10, and a shout-out to Roy Samante, who is beside himself with glee today because his favorite band, the Avid Brothers, made our list with November Blue. Uh, great harmony on this thing too and again you know Roy's a little eclectic you know he, he likes a lot of things you know he went and saw Iron Maiden went and saw Queensryche and then has been to see the Avid Brothers I don't know 20 something times it's crazy he loves these guys they also did a great song with Chris Cornell that he turned me on to super but November Blue from the Avid Brothers and uh, our friend Blair Chandler told me after we did the Avid Brothers uh, list that he was going to check those guys out kind of in his lane, too, because Blair is a soft and delicate flower. Number nine. It's a song that came from the soundtrack of one of my favorite movies of all time. It's V for Vendetta. Are you familiar with this? Are you? I don't know that you are. If you've never seen V for Vendetta, let me encourage you to um, 
to check that out because number one is it a fantastic movie came out in 2005 but it's also it's one of those things that uh it's it's a dystopian type deal right it's in the future and there was all of this craziness it's kind of like uh, 1984 it's really a big part of this. You know, it's like 1984 realized that I'm talking about the George Orwell classic, but uh, there was so much that happened in this movie. And then you had uh, V, who was uh, kind of a superhero. And uh, he wore a Guy Fox mask. You know anything about Guy Fox? You should. He was at once. Uh, Named to be the only person in the British Parliament that uh, had uh, honest intentions and tried to uh, blow up the Parliament. It's crazy. A lot of people wear these protester masks. Uh, masks. It's uh, about the gunpowder, you know, rebellion. It's an incredible story. This all happened way back in the 1600s, right? And so the 5th of November became Golf Fox Night, if I can get it out correctly. But the movie itself kind of pays some homage to that. It's, uh, it's an interesting, interesting movie. It also uh, stars Natalie Portman, who was Evie in the movie. Uh, pretty wild ride, to say the least. But uh, it has a good ending. It does. And again, it's all, you know, it's all theater, right? It's not... Not some true, accurate portrayal, but uh, basically it's a movie about revenge. I like those movies. I, I do. Like uh, you know, The Count of Monte Cristo. That's another. I, I love the book, love the movie even more. But uh, I like to see people held accountable, especially when they don't have the most noble of intentions. There are a lot of people out there in the world that, um, you know, the world's a will to power, true in and of itself. And so they're, what they're trying to do is advance their own causes at our expense. And it's interesting to see those people held accountable for people that do things uh, with malice of forethought to other people's expense to see them get their comeuppance. It's just like, you know, The Count of Monte Cristo is, is incredible. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible book and film. To me, it's right there with Be For Vendetta. It is. I have a Guy Fox mask in my house. I've only worn it out at Halloween one time, but I have it as a reminder. As a reminder that uh, when people come for you, uh, you have uh, the ability to defend yourself. And uh, it's like what's interesting about you know those movies and those protagonists in those movies is that it's it's like if you shoot a bottle rocket at them, they're going to drop a nuclear warhead on you, right? It's like, don't mess with me. If you do, I'm going to end it. And that's uh, what V for Vendetta is really about. So a, a song from that movie, it's the 5th of November uh, from Swell Rel. Never heard that guy before, but I wanted to have us an opportunity to uh, talk about Guy Fox today and the movie V for Vendetta. Number eight, it's the song November from the band Gorillaz. You know, most of you know them from the Feel Good song. That, and that was, you know, just an okay song, but it was a huge hit for them. But the song November, uh, a little bit different than what they had before, but uh, it fits our motif today, so we want to run with it. All right, November Rains is your number seven song. November Rains from Harry Shapin. Uh, yeah, th th again, this is a, a, a wild list here. 
and uh, we're going to work a lot of things. In. A lot of a lot of folks know Harry Shapin as uh, as a guy that um, really from the cats in the cradle. And you think, okay, he was a one hit wonder. It's not true. It's not true. That's his most famous song, obviously. But um, you know, Harry died way back in 1981 at the age of 38, and put together a you know, quite the catalog, um, and really performed as long as he could, you know. Uh, but things really, really got rolling for him in the 70s. And, and the 70s were a different time. You know, it was kind of the post-Woodstock uh, hippie era in many respects. And so the country was still kind of finding a, a sense of itself. And so, yeah, you, know, you had Cat Stevens and people like that. You were writing things that were a little more laid back, a little more folksy, you know, for sure. But um, you know, Cat's in the Cradle, one of the greatest songs of all time. But I wanted to throw him a bone today and let's do uh, November Rains. It's not nearly the song that Cats in the Cradle is, because Cats in the Cradle was a timeless tale, right? About all of us prioritizing family, what matters most, and I'm a guy that has to have a regular reminder of that, because I get so caught up in all this stuff. Uh, sometimes I just need to take some time to myself. But uh, again, shout out to Harry Shapin today, number seven, November Rains. Now, number six, we talked about harmonies earlier. It's the song November from a band called The Heathers. I don't know if you're familiar with these ladies, but... Uh, you should be, like, especially if you like that sort of thing, right? It's one of those deals where, you know, there's so many different bands out there these days. It's so watered down. And sometimes you miss the really good stuff. But uh, Heathers, of course, they're an Irish band, a couple sisters. And uh, the harmonies on this are just absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It's Ellen Louise McNamara. But I would familiarize myself with them. They uh, hadn't done much in the last few years, but uh, they're not, hadn't really broken America like maybe some other bands have, but uh, their, their song, November, absolutely amazing. And this is like one of those laid back, you know, acoustic type things, kind of like Indigo Girls with more of a British or, or European twist. I think you'll dig them. Uh, number five, and I know that I'm, I'm going to get this wrong. I know this, but I believe it's SZA. S-Z-A, SZA. I think that's correct. My girls love SZA. She is an absolutely beautiful woman with an incredible voice. And it's really like a voice from a throwback era. It doesn't sound very modern. It sounds like she's an old soul in a new body. I absolutely understand the appeal to her music, even if you never saw what she looked like. I mean, this her talent alone. And I think that's how we should all be judged anyway, is what we produce and how we do it. But... Uh, an incredible songstress, and uh, the great song "Sweet November," and uh, absolutely love this one. When I was getting my notes together, I listened to this and I thought, you know what? There are a lot of people that aren't going to know this song. They're going to love this song. Great, great, great one, SZA. All right, number four, another band with a great female vocalist, and we've had a, a, a little run here, you know, with the Heather's SZA, and now the band Sleeping with Sirens. If you're unfamiliar with them. I would encourage you to plug in there, too. And their song is November. And uh, it's another one of those kind of haunting songs that kind of builds and builds and builds. And uh, it's uh, number four on my list just because of the fact that I think that, um, number one, I think the production value is next level on this one. And I think that Sleeping With Sirens probably needs a bigger audience. All right, number three, we're going to go back a few years here. And I really think that this young lady here deserved a bigger audience back in the 90s. 
She had a huge hit in 93 with a song called My Sister with the Juliana Hatfield Three. There are some people that were born to perform and be singers and songwriters, and uh, they're different souls from much of the population. That's Juliana Hatfield. And uh, she came up, of course, and in, in, kind of in the grunge era, but she was really an alternative rock artist. It kind of got lumped in, but guys, she's still performing. It's amazing. All these years later, and uh, the Juliana Hatfield Three uh, reunited, you know, maybe a dozen years or so ago. But uh, she's out now, and it's done a series of of cover albums, which is amazing. And uh, there are a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I haven't thought about Juliana in years." People from my generation. She is absolutely phenomenal. And here's what she's been up to, in case you didn't know. She has recently done a series of albums. The most recent one came out this year. And it's Juliana Hatfield sings ELO. I bet you weren't expecting to hear that today. A couple years ago, she had Juliana Hatfield sings The Police. Before that, Juliana Hatfield sings Olivia Newton-John. A absolutely prolific discography. It all started back in 92 with that great album, Hey Bay, but really the breakthrough for her was 93's Become What You Are. And that's the one that has sister. And I guarantee you there are going to be some people that say, I don't remember that. You can put it on and you're like, oh my gosh, I used to love this song. Guys, she went through a stretch there where she basically put out an album a year. I mean, she is just a prolific singer-songwriter. And uh, somebody in many respects that the general population does not remember from those early 90s. Everybody's like, oh, well, you had these great mega bands. You had these iconic bands from the grunge movement. But I don't know that, she, that Juliana Hatfield maybe got her due because of the fact that even though she played on some of those same bills, she was a different kind of artist. And again, she's still performing, still doing it at a great, great level. And it's Remember November. That's your number three song from Juliana Hatfield. Young ladies, I'm telling you now, and I know this. I have several of you to listen to the show. You want to excite your mom? Start listening to Juliana Hatfield. I guarantee your mom was probably my age. Yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself here. But not only that, if you really want to hear somebody that performs with the purest soul possible, listen to Juliana Hatfield. Now, she's got some stuff in early catalog. It's a little bit edgy. But this is an underappreciated artist that has spent her life writing and recording songs. And she has a message for you. I guarantee it. She'll have a message for every mood that you have. And I think that you need to uh, need to check in on Juliana Hadfield. And again, I, I would start I would start with the earlier albums and then maybe listen to some cooler stuff, you know, the, the later stuff. But Hey Babe and Become What You Are, I think those albums are a great place to start. And you'll hear some tuning that was kind of uh, true to the era. But this young lady, I'm telling you, she's not young anymore, and, I, and but she is to me, I guess. But uh, she takes me back to a simpler time in life. There were a lot of flashes in the pan from the early 90s on the men's and women's side. Just kind of saw it, it for what it is. But Juliana, over 20 years later, 30 years later, is still out there performing and selling out venues around the country. So check her out. Juliana Hatfield, Remember November, number three. Number two, I didn't like this song when it first came out because I didn't like the beginning. You know, there's, there was not a hook in the beginning. But uh, how can we have a list like this and not include Wyclef John? Another innovator. Another guy that's uh, you know been a part of some 
huge albums over the years, but it's uh, gone till November, and it basically it's a song about a guy having to leave his family and go work because he can't find work uh, in his in his neighborhood or his, his town, and so he's got to go down south and do a job and then bring that money back, and it's about all the things that he's dealing with emotionally, and uh, whether this particular music, if his delivery of the, of the song, maybe it doesn't fit what you want, but I tell you, lyrically, this is one of those songs, extremely strong, extremely strong. But number one, and it's the undisputed song about November, I remember reading in Rolling Stone, there was a time in my life I wanted to write for Rolling Stone, but they got a little bit too edgy for me. You know, they quit writing about music. And uh, the thing that I, about Rolling Stone that I hated, even though I wanted to write aspirations to write there someday, and uh, I've had some people in the past say, you should write something and submit it anyway. See if they'll take it. And maybe they will. But uh, here's the deal. The thing that I hated about Rolling Stone is it stopped being about music and started being about the people that... Um, the people that wrote the columns. And so it was like they would absolutely diss bands that were successful in favor of bands that they felt that were underappreciated. And despite the fact that many of those bands got a ton of airplay, they were on MTV, they just weren't very good and they didn't sell. And there was all this angst at Rolling Stone. It's like, I don't understand. Why are people running out and buying Motley Crue when... You know, they could listen to this dude. I'm not going to defame anybody, but you understand my point. And it's like, that's the thing about music. And I try not to be a music snob on this show. Yeah, there's some bands I don't like. It's true. I think whatever whatever makes you feel something is what you should listen to. I've got songs that have inspiration. I've got songs of healing. I've got all kinds of stuff that I listen to depending on my mood. And you'd be amazed at the stuff that I listen to. Uh, listen to Drake earlier this week. Listen to the band Breathe this week. Faster Pussycat, of course. You know, I'll, I'll, I listen to a lot of stuff because I don't like to get kind of hemmed in, right? Listen to some Bad Omens just yesterday. But uh, anyway, so as Rolling Stone, you want to talk about why MTV and why Rolling Stone really lost a lot of their appeal is because it stopped being about the artists and started being about the authors. Serious business. And uh, I've had some discussions with people in the industry about you know, the whole grunge thing. And so much of the grunge thing, just so you know, was a corporate creation. It was. The 80s metal scene had gotten bloated. They wouldn't even play those bands, despite the fact that they had fans calling up every day, like when they hear uh, Bitter Pill from Warrant. Uh, and Joey Allen, on the record, has said, hey, I, you know, we offered to pay to get them to play our video. And they wouldn't do it, because MTV wanted to change the course of music. And grunge lasted about 15 minutes. I know that, listen, I, I say that, I lived through it, and I loved it. And there are some times today I put on my Timberlands and put on some, uh, some baggy shorts and a hoodie and go out there, and I still look like I'm a product of the 90s, because I am. And I love that era, but it didn't last very long. And the longer, the farther we get away from it, the more we realize that it was really dated for the time. It was. You know, drive D tuning was a thing. And, you know, it's like, again, it's MTV, Rolling Stone. It was like all of this conspiracy. It's like, okay, we're going to change the course of music. And I don't know that we did that in, in, in a good thing. I don't think it worked out the way people expect it to be. And so I share that with you, my personal opinion. Of course, uh, you know, I graduated in 1990 and, and the, you know, the early 90s from my college years. And, uh, you know, of course, we spent some time. A lot of time in bars and things like that, but uh, we always felt like something you know big was coming. 
And, um, you know, looking back, it just it didn't have the staying power. I mean, you go back and look, you know, well, how long did grunge last? Well, it kind of started in 91, and for the most part, it was over in 93, 94. It's a true story. And then I, I remember reading, like in Rolling Stone and Spin Magazine and things like that in the mid-90s, they already started calling bands post-grunge when it was supposed to be the heyday of grunge. should have been. Uh, but the reality of it is not as many people identified with grunge. I did. There were some elements. Uh, listen, I love the 80s. I mean, nothing but a good time, right? But at some point, and I think one of the biggest problems with grunge is so much of it was depressive. The tuning itself, the tunes themselves in many respects, uh, were just kind of negative songs. And there's just so many times in life that you can sit there and stare at your shoes and try to find some measure of happiness. But number one, this is November Rain from Guns N' Roses. And I remember when Rolling Stone wrote about it, they were like, oh, they had an advanced copy of the album, and they said, oh, this was so over-the-top and dramatic and so self-absorbed. And then uh, it's a timeless classic now. One of the most iconic songs from the era, and it's still played. And uh, what's amazing to me about November Rain, there are a lot of people out there that really don't know Guns N' Roses. But they know November Rain, right? I mean, it's amazing to think about that aspect of it, that it's a song that really crossed over genres. And, uh, of course, there's a big, 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 you know, discussion about it. The video itself is basically a, uh, you know, it's one of those yeah, deals where it's one of those videos that in many respects uh, told a story. And there was supposed to be a movie, didn't work out, but uh, the whole concept is based on a short story that Axl Rose read. And uh, here's the thing, Tim. I'm looking this up just because I want you to know. You may have heard a little talk in the background. That's the YouTube commercial. But, uh, guys, YouTube wasn't around back then. We didn't even really have the Internet then. But Guns N' Roses November Rain on their official website. That's not counting all the bootleg stuff and everybody else stealing it and, re and repackaging it as their own content. Guns N' Roses November Rain has 2.1 billion views on YouTube. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And uh, one of those songs, too, again, it's just a timeless classic. It's number one, easily the best hit ever about the month of November. And so we'll get into December later this week, and we'll watch the SEC Championship game. Looking forward to that. We'll do a slight preview. We won't talk much about that. Well, hopefully we'll have some more coaching news to share with you guys. We certainly expect that. And then next thing you know, man, we're going to be um, full bore into recruiting. I know you guys are excited about that. There are already some new offers going out from uh, Jeff Labby and the, and the new Mississippi State Bulldog staff, as small as it is. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmark. You know it, man. Not a better place to shop for your Christmas list when it comes to the Bulldog fans in your life. You can stop by and see their smiling faces, which I always encourage. And whether you're coming for a basketball game, allot yourself a little time to do a little shopping. Neatly positioned on the backside of campus. Turn off 182 right there at the Trooper Station. Followed on around, there's Campus Bookmore on the left. You can pick up your Mississippi State wares and then go right over to Humphrey Coliseum uh, to enjoy a Mississippi State basketball game. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. 
That gives you free shipping on all orders over $75. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Free shipping, man. If it's free, it's me. Campus Bookmark coming through for Bulldog fans. All right. Unfortunately, we have suffered our first loss in uh, Mississippi State men's basketball. And I read a lot of the comments yesterday. And, and listen, here's the deal, man. We're going to have a bad night every once in a while. We did last night. We, we just had a bad night. It's as simple as that. Against a team that uh, probably not going to be very good this year, finally get ranked and we drop a game. And listen, what makes this different than the uh, Ben Howland era? Because you remember how the Ben Howland era is like, once we get everybody back on board, then we'd lose a game we shouldn't. Guys, this team has built up some currency. Chris Jan's going to keep us in every game. We lose 67-59. to 59. It's an eight-point loss, but the, the reality of it is we chase the game much of the game. Uh, that's that's the kind of the reality of it. We, they got out early, and the next thing you know, we just couldn't throw it in the in, in the ocean. Uh, we did pull even at seven, and then they began to pull away and just kind of nurse that lead along. Uh, we got even again at 13 with the 11-minute mark, and then from there, they began to find their range from the three-point line and put some distance between uh, themselves and our Bulldogs. Seven minutes to go in the first half. It's a nine-minute lead. That lead swells all the way to 13, just before the half. Kyle Sturdivant with the layup uh, in the final second of the half to have them up 13. And then from there, it just felt like, you know, it just wasn't our night. And it wasn't. Just kind of part of the deal. Uh, We did kind of try to come back and make a game of it. We got it below 10 Trailed by as many as 15 a couple times in the second half, uh, and even up to 16. Kyle Sturdivant with a nice game for them. But uh, really down the stretch, we didn't get it below double digits until the final moments. And uh, just, you know, couldn't get, it, couldn't get stops. You know, that's part of the deal. We just had a bad night. Uh, and nobody should be off board with this team. Nobody should be questioning our team, our coaching staff. We simply had a bad night. And uh, looking at the box score here, uh, we do win the second half 33-28, but when you're down by 13 at the break, it's difficult to overcome that. And uh, 3,913 was the announced attendance. Our Justin Frommer was there, and I suspect Justin would have a uh, different, different opinion of the attendance there. Josh Hubbard led the Bulldogs with 17 points. We had three scores in double digits. DJ Jeffries with 10. Uh, Rams Davis with a dozen. Uh you, know, you look at this, 43 boards for us. Jimmy Bell, big night for him. 13 rebounds, but they kept him limited to just six points. He played 29 minutes. A pair of his points come from the free throw line. State, 20 of 65 from the floor and 12 of 16 from the line. We've got to get to the line with a little more regularity. Uh, we got out-rebounded in the game, 45 to 43. Uh, they shot it better than we did. They connect on eight three-pointers. We did make seven ourselves, but uh, much of that for them was in that stretch, and they're pulling away. Uh, we get 24 points off the bench, and, and the bulk of that, obviously, excuse me, they got 24 points off the bench, as did we. I was confused. But, guys, Josh Hubbard is a freshman, and uh, we've got to have somebody besides Josh step up and be a scoring option. I mean, Shaquille Moore with just four points in that game. We've got to have better production from him. Sean Jones, 23 minutes of action and makes one three-pointer, one of five in the game. That's the only points that he put up for us. But, um, you know, we're going to flush this one and put it behind us and get ready for the next ball game. 
That's all we can do. That's the thing about basketball, too. You play so often. It's easy to get that bad taste out of your mouth. So the Bulldogs will be back in action this Sunday against Southern. That's University of Southern down in Baton Rouge, the Jaguars. Uh, should be a win for your Bulldogs. We'll get back to rolling. Then we go back to Atlanta next Saturday, take on Tulane in the Holiday Hoops giving event. All right, tonight, big ball game, and uh, I will be in attendance. Looking forward to this one. As the ladies take on Miami, your ladies 8-0, and and uh, Miami a good uh, program in their own right. That's a 6-15 tip central. It will be broadcast on the SEC network, but we want you in the hump. We do these ladies need you in the hump. Uh, that's the thing, too. We all want to win, and I understand it's midweek, but if you're within a reasonable driving distance and you're on the fence about coming to the game, please come uh, to the basketball game because we're going to have – Got a, a pretty nice opponent in here. And uh, the Hurricanes, Lady Hurricanes, 5-0 and on the year. Uh, they had the uh, education day themselves. They took down Jacksonville 81-53. They get Fordham 78-39. They narrowly escape a game at home against the Lady Jaguars of Southern 61-57. They uh, blow out Colgate 67-49. They get East Tennessee State 68-44. And now they get the Bulldogs tonight. So the most difficult opponent they've played to date, but you have to respect uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Again, it's a Power 5 opponent, and so you've got to be ready to roll with these games. And uh, we need to make sure that we've got a home court advantage in every aspect, not just because of the fact they had to get on a plane and come travel to play us, but because they're going to have to deal with all of you. Uh, averaging 71 points a game, allowing just 48.4. Defensively, they've been very good. And, again, the quality of opponents do matter. Uh, but uh, 27% shooting for the Hurricanes, they are allowing just 19%. So a lot of contested shots, uh, to say the least. Uh, making, uh, what, seven? Yeah, seven three-pointers a game, allowing right at six. But shooting 36% as a team. So we should expect some shots from beyond the arc. From rebounding stamp rebounding standpoint, they're averaging just over 30, 35 boards a game and allowing right at 33. Uh, with our size on the interior, we should be able to uh, to have an advantage there. But getting into the uh, you know the individual numbers here, kind of names to know here. Number four, Jasmine Roberts uh, leads the team with 10.8 points per game, and then uh, Shayan Day Wilson, not even a starter. The sixth lady off the bench, 10.6 points per game. A pretty solid effort there. Uh, the, the leading rebounder on this team, as we work through the numbers here, uh, which is an, always an important aspect of when you think about us being able to rebound and things of that nature, uh, they have got uh, a couple players that have done a pretty good job for them this year. Lazaria Spearman. Uh, the leading rebounder on the team with six and a half boards per game. And then Kyla Oldacre, 5.8. Uh, again, 35.6 per game. And they kind of do it by committee, but those are the two that uh, have really kind of gotten after it. But, uh, again, we need a big crowd in Humphrey Coliseum. We need to make sure that everybody understands how difficult this thing is going to be. And uh, women's basketball is fun again. And we give Sam Purcell a lot of credit for that. But let's make sure that we're there to support the team uh, every opportunity that we have. And tonight's a big one. It is. Now, Sunday, we'll be in Chattanooga. So if you're in the greater Chattanooga area, it's going to be a 1 p.m. tip. That game will be broadcast on ESPN+. We'll touch on all that 
uh, on Friday. But I'm uh, looking forward to go out there tonight and uh, and cheer for the Lady Bulldogs. And uh, well, I won't be covering the game. I'm just going to go as a fan. Might even wear some maroon and white. You never know. You might catch me on the kiss cam. It's true. It's true. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to go have a good time. And I encourage you to come out, too, uh, and be a part of that. Lady Bulldogs really, really, really playing well right now, and uh, especially in the second half. We have found some adjustments that we've made at the break that have enabled us to gain some separation uh, from our opponents. And then um, you know, Monday, too, quick, you know, three games in pretty quick succession for women's basketball. Miami tonight, Chattanooga on Sunday, and then back in Humphrey Coliseum Monday uh, to take on Kennesaw State. So uh, make plans to attend. Again, women's basketball is fun again. Got some very talented ladies on this team, too. We've had some injuries, but uh, still putting up some big points. So let's be sure that we're there to support our team. Our final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse and book through the Evolve website. And if you do, I can save you a little money. Use promo code BSR10. Now, if you book through Airbnb or somebody else like that, you're on your own. But why wouldn't you save yourself a little money, especially this time of year? Whether you're bringing in a work crew, it's going to be here throughout the week working in the Golden Triangle, and you'd like to have everybody under one roof. Maybe you want to kind of spread out and have meetings in the common areas and then everybody have a, you know their own bedroom. You can do that. Or perhaps you're coming in for a ball game weekend, or maybe you're going to make a, a trip to Starkville and do some shopping, spend a couple nights here. Wouldn't it be great to have everybody under one roof? We're going to take advantage of this as a family soon. Uh, the next time the kids come to town, instead of everybody being spread all over Octibaha County, Come everybody right there. Mom's going to cook, make girls some steaks. I got that great fire pit area out back. Uh, we're going to enjoy that. We're going to gather around there as a family and uh, tell some stories and enjoy being together. Might even watch some ball games, and it's cool to be able to have everybody together. And those in the family that want an adult beverage can have one and not have to overpay because we'll just run to the grocery store and buy some, and uh, they can chill while we're out doing whatever we want to do. Uh, what a great opportunity, though. It's the renovated clubhouse at the Old Country Club, just five minutes from campus, off of 182. You take that turn right there at the Sprint Mart. Uh, an amazing, amazing place. Uh, be sure and go check it out, and you can just Google it and find the pictures yourself and see they got this amazing wet bar, the five bedrooms, uh, completely renovated place, and uh, I, I really dig it. I got to tour the facility last week. I think it would be something that you should consider, not only because of the economic thing, but just the convenience of having everybody under one roof. Uh, amazing, the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. All right, let's talk a little bit about the recruiting calendar. There's so much of that. I want to explain this because I don't think people fully understand. Like yesterday, the picture of when Arch Manning visited Ole Miss and was talking to Jeff Levy. I think Ancy Porter took the picture and was widely criticized for that. Um, I get it. I, I do. But that picture made the rounds again yesterday, and people are like, hey, Arch Manning's on campus. Arch Manning can't be on campus because we're in a, we're in a dead period right now. So there's no face-to-face -face contact. You can't host visitors officially or unofficially and have interactions with your coaching staff during a dead period. So that dead period kicked off earlier this week. Uh, it runs November 27th through the 30th, which is tomorrow, Saturday. A lot of people are playing football. Saturday. We wish we were, but we're not. And then Sunday, the contact period opens. Well, Steve, what's the contact period mean? Well, it means you can have in-person visits. You start having the in-home visits and coaches can go by schools. Now, what's interesting too, we can go by the school and then have dinner later, 
right? And they, they loosen the rules a little bit because you know, a lot of these families aren't equipped to entertain. So you can go have it at a restaurant. Uh, that's something that's happened the last few years, probably a really smart decision. Uh, but there are some families out there that will cook for your coaches. You know, they'll have a steak or barbecue or whatever, and uh, it's incredible. But that's going to run December 1st through the 16th, and then we have the quiet period on the 17th. The quiet period basically just gives, uh, you know, the visitors a chance to finish up an official visit. So there's no in-home visits those days. Contact period means you can have contact on or off campus. Quiet period means only only, um, on campus, and that's just, um, you know, in-person you know, it's just, it's it's a crazy it's it's a little bit different, I guess, at times. But uh, no in-person, off-campus contact. So, like, if a guy's an official visitor, he can remain on your campus until the end of that visit, but you can't, you know, go visit him. Another dead period opens on December the 18th, and that's going to run for a while. Okay, that runs because basically we're getting ready for National Signing Day. The December signing period opens uh, on the 21st, if memory serves me correct. So these first three weekends in December are going to be huge for us. We're going to have the opportunity to have some guys on campus. So there's some visits that are already set, and there's a new staff in place. So they're going to have to decide, hey, do we want this guy? Do we not want this guy? There's going to be some new names pop up. You're already starting to see some of that. We've offered some new players. Uh, you know, Jeff Lappy and those guys, when they were at Oklahoma, they recruited some players that were outside of our recruiting footprint. So there will be some new names pop up. There's already some names, especially on the offensive line, that have popped up that are from the transfer portal, right? Uh, And then the portal window opens officially on Monday. So it is going to be a sprint to get in contact with those guys. And, of course, there's always third-party contact. There always is. I don't care who you are, where you're from. It's just how life works. A lot of these guys, someone on their behalf will reach out and say, hey, If so-and-so goes in the portal, would you guys be interested? So there's some due diligence that's done by people close to players even before they go in the portal. And as soon as they go in, and as soon as they're entered in by their member institution, it pops up in the database. And so people will see that. We have some people, obviously, that have good connections with the portal. And so we'll be bringing some news. And there will be some more Mississippi State players leave. So far, there's only been five scholarship players that have entered the portal. Uh, so we'll see some of that pop up. But as soon as that happens, those players begin to get DM'd on Twitter and, and get phone calls and things like that. So there can be official contact. Uh, but the most important thing is trying to get those guys on campus for visits. That, that's, you know, that's the main thing. It's very rare. I mean, it's probably less than 1% of guys that sign with an institution they never officially visit. But sometimes in the portal, that's the case. Sometimes guys – are in the portal, but they're still having to navigate through their studies and final exams and things like that. And they got to get out of their apartment. They got to begin to make some plans to find another one. And so it's difficult for them to always take the visits in. Uh, so you'll have some guys that'll just make a commitment based on a relationship. We had that with Jalen Green, right? Jalen Green was at Texas and Jason Washington was here. Well, Jason recruited him to Texas and we're able to get him here. And he had a really good couple of years here at Mississippi State. But as you begin to navigate through all of this, and it's going to be nonstop for us until we get to the December period, and then you know, we'll take a little bit of a break. We'll enjoy uh, Christmas with our families, and then you're right back at it because there's still the traditional February signing date. Not a signing period per se there, uh, but a signing date. As soon as we get through that, we start beginning to relax a little bit. Well, junior days are here, right? So you got to go cover the junior days. we got to start thinking about the new crop, and there's already a bunch of new offers out there for 2025. 
and we'll start bringing those guys to campus, and we'll do our best to catch up with them and kind of find out. So recruiting is a 365-day-a-year enterprise. And then the next thing you know, we're playing baseball, right? And so it pays to have an army of folks, uh, and uh, we're excited about that. But we're here. Now, that's the thing, too, over the course of the last couple of weeks, you know, really all the focus has been about the coaching change. Well, now it's about putting a staff together, and you want to have the bulk of that handled this week because guys have got to put on a maroon and white Adidas pullover and get on the road and start selling Mississippi State, an institution that uh, they don't know very well. But they have to sell their system and their scheme, and they got to build some relationships quickly, which is one of the reasons why it's so important that you retain some guys like Rod Gibson. Rod Gibson, in many respects, is an institution here at Mississippi State. Uh, Tony Hughes, you know, probably find a way to find a role for him in some capacity because of the fact we're going to need uh, some continuing staff to help kind of point these new guys in the right direction. And you got to think about the fact that, uh, you know, Chad Bumpus being retained and J.J. Harrell, that helps too because you start getting these recruits recruiting each other and said, hey, let's all stick together and do this. Now, people have asked me, what about Stonka Burnside? You know, I don't know what he's going to do. You know, I don't. A lot of people think, well, now we're running this high-octane offense. Maybe we'll get him back, and maybe we will. But maybe we won't. And maybe he'll go to Ole Miss, or maybe he'll go to East Mississippi. I don't know what he's going to do. You know, I just know this, that Mississippi State is still on him. Uh, and so we'll see. And if anybody can get him, it's going to be Chad Bumpus. And if we don't, it won't be for lack of effort. And certainly we're going to have an offensive system uh, that is going to play well to his skill set. And you're going to need some wide receivers. There's no question about that. Uh, you're already beginning to see some uh, – you know, some decommitments from Oklahoma. You're starting to see some new offers for Nebraska. So there will be some new names. We're already, again, beginning to see that. But as these new coaches come in, they're going to have relationships with guys. Uh, Tristan Jernigan, the linebacker out of Tupelo, has been committed to Texas A&M basically throughout this process. But he did plan to take visits to both Ole Miss and Mississippi State during the month of December. Well, now the coaches that recruited him at A&M uh, most of those guys are leaving. So it's, again, you're trying to build a new relationship. But let's say, for an example, State hires DJ Durkin. No guarantee we're going to do that. But if we do, Durkin has a relationship with Tristan Jernigan, as does Chad Bumpus. And I think that makes it an easier decision for him. And when you look at the production that Bookie Watson and Jed Johnson have had here, uh, you begin to think, hey, those guys are moving on. I have the opportunity to play early. We also have uh, some junior college guys in the linebacker ranks that we're recruiting and then have one committed. But you're going to be talking a lot about recruiting and you're going to hear a lot about recruiting the rest of this year, and we're going to be at the forefront of that now as November is over and the December signing period is approaching rapidly. You'll have official visit weekends. You'll have in-home visits. Uh, and, again, new names popping up. You're going to probably have some guys decommit. Maybe some guys that we go through and say, you know what, this guy doesn't fit our scheme. We don't share the same evaluation. And perhaps you move on from that. There are going to be some other guys like you look at and say, you know what, we like these guys. We want to keep them committed. So there's going to be some ebb and flow. And, of course, we'll keep you updated at jeanspage.com as best we can. Uh, it's what we do. You know, we cover Mississippi State wide open all day, every day. Uh, just yesterday, Justin Frommer, a fantastic story fantastic story about Jeff Levy's time at Southeastern. Not Southeastern Louisiana, but Southeastern University. And uh, that gave him a chance to kind of run the show for the first time. So some interesting quotes. One of those was about uh, there were times the offensive line at Southeastern didn't have a defensive guy to block because they were vomiting, because they couldn't keep up with the tempo. 
uh, that Levy was running. So if, if you're a subscriber, I'd encourage you to go read that. And, of course, uh, I caught up with legendary Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops yesterday. How cool is that? You know, I do a lot of cool things in the job that I do. I do, and I don't get starstruck very often. I really don't. I've met a lot of people, you know, talk to Slash on the phone, Miles Kennedy, those guys. I've met Sebastian Bach, and I've met a lot of people. Uh, not the name drop for you, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was quite the honor to get Bob Stoops on the phone because uh, he gave Jeff Labby his first start in coaching. Did you know that? Yeah, he was a student assistant at Oklahoma, and uh, Stoops and Levy still have a great relationship, and so we got some comments from him. And that was posted yesterday at jeanspage.com, too. And uh, so I shared that because, you know, we're trying to cover every aspect of all this. And uh, right now, your coaching staff working through exit interviews with players, exit interviews with coaches. Uh, some will be retained. Some won't be. There'll be some players that uh, will say, hey, listen, we want to get this thing done. I want you to stay with us. And there are going to be some other guys that say, you know what, coach, I, just don't, I think I'm going to push on. Uh, Tulu Griffin, of course, came out uh, after Levy hired and said he was staying. Uh, we're going to have to continue to recruit him. We are all the way through the portal window. I mean, that's just going to how it's going to be. When you got talented guys like him and Xavier Thomas, remember they went in the portal last year, and Zach Arnett and the staff were able to uh, convince them to withdraw from the portal, and they come back. And both of those guys, even as limited as we were on offense this year, both of those guys made very positive contributions. So you want to retain those guys. Uh, but we've got to go out and find some other wide receivers. And uh, we're going to pitch it and catch it. We know that a portal quarterback is coming. We felt that uh, the previous staff had planned to sign one. Now, Will Rogers is in the portal. Wish Will the absolute best. But we've got to find somebody that can stretch the field vertically. That's what we got to do. We have to absolutely find somebody that can stretch the field vertically. And so you're going to go out and look to get an accomplished passer. I don't think we're going to go out there and just look for a backup somewhere unless it's somebody that Jeff Lubby and those guys have a real relationship with. So there are some names out there kind of hovering about in the conversation, but business will pick up on Monday. Once you see the portal open, there are going to be a ton of quarterbacks in the portal, and we're going to go get one of them. Don't know who it's going to be yet. We don't even know who's going to be available. But we're going to go get a quarterback out of the portal, and it's going to be somebody that fits exactly what Jeff Levy wants to do. Uh, Jeff Levy doesn't run a ton of this, um, you know, zone read type stuff. You know, they'll, they'll do some things in a quarterback run, as they did with Matt Corral at Ole Miss. But by and large, you've got to have somebody with arm talent uh, that can take the top off the defense. And that's what we have not had for a while, and uh, we want to have that now. And that, that is a staple of the Levy offense, is to have that guy that is an athlete, but also, too, a guy that can um, run when he needs to, but more importantly, can really challenge people down the field. And so we're going to go out there and really prioritize offensive skill. That's going to be a big part of this. And we got to rebuild this offensive line. We all know this. There's a ton of guys leaving this program this year because they're out of eligibility. And so that's the whole part of this, right? you got to find the building blocks to establish a new offense. And uh, I was told even before Jeff Levy got the job that he thought he could flip this roster very quickly. He also uh, didn't think next year has to be a rebuilding year. We're coming out looking to win. Uh, And that's the thing that I think about, too, is like, well, we're going to scrap the offense. Well, the thing about that is, is there's a lot of concepts in a Jeff Levy offense that are comparable to what Mike Leach ran. So the infrastructure here – it's kind of a big part of this. You've got some guys here that were recruited to play in a scheme that is very similar to what Jeff Levy wants to run. Uh, so I think that you'll see 
this is a program and this is an offense that should be able to hit the ground running. Will they be as proficient this year, in 2024 as they will be down the road? No, but a lot of that's going to depend on who we get as a quarterback. That's a very, very significant part of this. So look for that. You'll be finding those names popping up, and we're going to do our best to keep you abreast of everything that we hear. That's what we do. We're not just here to just kind of regurgitate university releases. We want to let you know things happen before they do. And as I said this morning, uh, in fact, we had the news about David Turner uh, being retained before it made the Twitters. And so there's benefit in subscribing for sure. And um, But the next few weeks, once we get this staff put together, it's going to be football recruiting and then uh, basketball coverage all the way through. And uh, I don't know when we'll get a chance to talk to Jeff Levy again. I suspect it'll be when we announce the December signing class. When we finish that up, I think we'll have an opportunity then uh, to speak with him kind of about where things stand. And we want to address all of our needs in December. You know, we'll have to go get some guys in February. And, of course, with the uh, transfer portal, those guys don't sign a national letter of intent. So they can just simply enroll in January, as we saw with Marcus Banks and others. There's not some big ceremony. Some guys will go ahead and have the ceremony and go ahead and move in. But uh, you can continue to add transfer players all the way up to the drop add date of the spring semester, and then they can participate in spring practice. And then there will be some guys, too, that may join the program in June. And, uh, you know, we'd like to have those guys here in spring, as uh, Jeff Levy spoke about on Monday night. Ideally, we'd like to have our team here in spring to go through install for both offense and defense. But you could add some guys uh, later. Probably offensive linemen, you could probably get them in in June and feel pretty good about uh, them contributing. But um, this offense is a horse of a different animal. It, it just is. It's a horse of a different color. Excuse me. The horse of a different animal would be a cow. But I think you understand what I'm saying. So a lot of transfer portal prospects. Uh, finishing up some high school guys. We're going to get some junior college guys. And, again, we don't know if Jeff Labby and his staff will decide to kind of stay in the same lane that Arnett and his group are going into. You know, they may decide, hey, I don't want any junior college guys. I only want a couple of junior college guys. I want to go get in the portal. I want to go get these guys. Uh, there's some bounce backs, obviously, like, you know, Brandon Jennings. That's a guy, obviously, out of the JUCO ranks that you'd want. He had a very, very proficient season this year. But it's important to understand, too, how the calendar works. And so every time that you see some picture make the rounds, you're like, oh, my gosh, look at this. I understand if it's a dead period, it's probably a joke. And uh, some Bulldog fans got had. And speaking of jokes, I asked Bob Stoops about the, uh, about the graphic that made the rounds in the early part of the coaching search that he was going to be the head coach. And, and he chuckled. And he goes, well, anybody that knows me knew that wasn't true. Uh, nothing against Mississippi State, but I, I'm not climbing back into that jungle. He said, I've had my time. I loved it. Uh, but, yeah, it was quite the honor to speak to him. But uh, always be aware that there are people on social media that just want to get a little attention, so they're going to put some things out there. And don't retweet it without looking into it. Don't do it. Don't go run to Facebook and share it and try to establish some Internet cred because that can backfire on you in a hurry. I can't begin to count how many texts and messages I got. Are we really hiring Bob Stoops? And it's like, no. No, no, we're not. Oh, I saw a newspaper article. No, it wasn't a newspaper article. It was a spoof, and you fell for it. So take a deep breath. Lubby's going to fill out the staff. The staff will then fill out the class, and then we'll get into um, the spring semester. And before you know it, we're going to be practicing spring football. And I'm eager to get out there and see a part of that too. I'm, I'm ready to kind of see that. And listen, for all of you, 
it has been a very difficult 12 months. It has been. And again, I go back to you know the, the whole situation with Sam Westmoreland. I mean, we never forget that family. Uh, you know, Sam, you know, losing him and, and our players having to deal with that aspect of, of, of reality of life. And that was a, it became one of those things that just kind of stayed with us. And then, of course, we lose Mike Leach and, and uh, you know, not going to continue to belabor that. I mean, we remember Coach fondly. And there were so many people. We were absolutely in free fall, man. And we had people trying to poach our players left and right. We, we hired Zach. We got behind that. We did our best to uh, support him. And it didn't work out. And it's crazy to think about this. You know, Mike Leach passed away on December 12th. And now Jeff Levy is the fourth guy to be in that office in 12 months. And think about what your players have gone through. And those that are still hanging on to hope, there is no bowl game for Mississippi State. There's not. Uh, we don't qualify now unless somebody backs out, which is not expected. State was the first team out. They'll announce the bowl pairings early next week. And for the first time in 14 years, we won't be investigating that uh, to see where Mississippi State may be headed because of the fact that we just simply don't know. We don't know because uh, it's going to be a year before we get to do it. Yeah. So only one 5-7 and seven team made the field this year. And when those West Coast games went final, uh, you know, with Cal beating UCLA, that allowed them to get ball eligible. The curse of Peter Sermon, right, continues. Little did we know the Peter Sermon defense would be the difference in the game between Cal and UCLA. So uh, no bowl game for the Bulldogs, and that may actually be a good thing. You know, I really wanted it for the players. Uh, and I love college football. I love watching college football. But it might be just be better for Mississippi State football to be able to – okay, our focus now is on 2024. Let's go get the players we need, get the coaches we need, and to begin to install a system that puts us in a good bowl game next year. Rather than – it would be a bit of a distraction, I guess is my point. When the new coaches come in, they're going to want to be able to sit down with their guys, uh, watch some film, kind of talk about how we want to use them, uh, break down some things and kind of figure out uh, some self-scouting stuff. So it may be better for the health of our program that we didn't have a bowl game this year. And you hate to say that, uh, but when you're changing coaches, there's just so much going on, you don't want your players pulled in a million different directions. So ideally, the foundation for 2024 can be laid during the month of December. Uh, and I know that Coach Levy is meeting with players now, uh, and just kind of discussing, you know, his expectations. So that's a big part of things. All right, if you had not done so, go to winthebottomfalls.com. The brand-new book has been out now a couple weeks, and everything has been shipped. If you've ordered – even if you ordered as late as noon yesterday, your book has been shipped. And I look forward to reading and hearing your reviews. I worked very hard on the book. It's so interesting, too, that uh, my wife got a message yesterday from a, uh, an old high school friend that uh, somebody had bought the book and gave to them, and they read it basically in two days. And then sent her a message and said, hey, I just read this, and I uh, had no idea that you were Steve's wife until I saw the picture on the back of the book. I joke with people, if you buy a book, you get a free picture of my wife. Of course, uh, my beautiful wife, uh, Dana, love her to death, but you also have to see you know, her uh, you know, beaten husband next to her, right? So... Uh, she is the Julie Andrews to my Ozzy Osbourne, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I worked hard on that book. And uh, for years and years and years, I wanted to write it. And I was a little bit scared to write it in many respects. And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to just be as honest as I can be. And there's some people that are maybe upset with me uh, after they read it. There's some things that I've shared I've never made public before. and uh, But also, I've noticed it's really about a book about experience, strength, and hope. 
And uh, I had somebody message me the other day and said, I've only made it through the first chapter and I've already cried three times. I read the foreword and dedication and everything else. And uh, it's, it's emotional and it is. But I think it's important for people in recovery, people in my position to have a platform and say, you know what? I had some real adversity in life and, uh, and I faced it and I became a different person. And when you're in the throes of addiction and when you're caught up in all that stuff, you don't think you even have a future. You can't even think about the future. You just think about the moment. You think about the next high or the next drink or whatever. You don't think about, hey, you know, where am I going to be in five years? Because you can't even look that far down the road. I mean, I was a week-to-week you know, life person. It's like, okay, well, we're going to go. We're going to be in Bogalusa tonight in New Orleans on Saturday. What are you guys doing next week? I don't know. We'll figure it out. You know, I never had any plans beyond that. And so I, I share a lot of that very openly, uh, not in any way to praise me, but also in many respects just to, uh, to show gratitude for God for second chances. Yeah, and uh, I know a lot of people out there that got a third and fourth chance and didn't take advantage of it. I learned my lesson. So I wanted to share that with all of you. All my sports books are there too. Uh, Stark Villains, what's left of it is selling well, as is Alpha Dogs. And again, I don't know we do in the run probably till 2025. So it's a good chance that book's going to go out of print. And it's so interesting too. We were able to find some uh, when they get out in the warehouse and they're, oh, we found another case. So, uh, but yeah, th- that's dwindling down. They've had to re-inventory the warehouse in anticipation of the new book coming in so what's left is what's left there's not going to be some mystery case that just shows up out of the blue somewhere uh, we sold a handful of Starkville ones on black friday had a really big day uh, black friday with bookmart and cafe we'll do something soon with campus bookmart they're working out a signing with uh, lemuria uh, so i'll be out about a little bit hopefully we get up to turn row we love the folks at turn row they had that nasty fire but they're back one of mississippi's great bookstores I encourage you to always shop through our bookstores in this state rather than just buying on Amazon. I know it's so convenient. And it's kind of like I mentioned the whole thing about, uh, you know, when we broke the story of Jeff Levy getting hired. It's a big deal for us to break that story and everybody to aggregate our story. Like if you go buy a book, whether it's mine or somebody else's on Amazon, you might save a few bucks. You know, and for Amazon, it's just another package. But when you go by through Turn Row or Lemuria or Square Books or any people, that's a meal for those people, right? Same thing for us. Like, if we break a big story, you know, for, for national media, it's a tweet. It means nothing to them, right? But for us, it means everything. And so I'm a big proponent of buying local, eating local, and we have an incredible number of independent bookstores in Mississippi. Friendly Books over in Columbus is another one. Uh, I would encourage you, as always, to maybe pay a dollar or two more and support a local business. It's very, very important. If you were in that same situation, and I I remember quickly, I I won't tell you who, but I had a vendor. When Flim Flam was rolling, I mean, Flim Flam was everywhere, right? And um, one of my book vendors came to me and uh, probably spoke maybe out of turn. And I think maybe they were a little bit embarrassed by what they said, but it meant something to me. They said, you know, Steve, you're killing us with Amazon. I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, yeah, they can buy the book from us at full retail or they can go on Amazon and buy it for $5 less. And so I immediately instructed my publisher, once the Flim Flam book cycle was over, I didn't want to sell any more books on Amazon because I didn't want to undercut the people that are here to support me. And so there are, some of my books can be found on Amazon, but it's not from the publisher. And, and I have, honestly, I have seen Stark Villains sell by up to 80 and $90. I don't know why somebody would pay that when you could get the book itself for 25 bucks direct from the publisher. 
It's been on eBay. I've seen Alpha Dogs over $100 before. I don't know how this, that money doesn't come to me. I don't know how that happens. Uh, so I just encourage you, buy from our online website or buy from an independent Mississippi bookstore. Big, big proponent of those people. They have been incredible to me. We sold a lot of books for them, but they've sold them for me. And so it's a partnership that I cherish. And so I encourage you, as always, support the independent bookstore and all local and independent business around the great state of Mississippi or in your own communities. Uh, when you look around our great town of Starkville, the majority of our businesses here are run by independent local people, people that have made Starkville their home. They're not some big home office somewhere else. Uh, it's people themselves. And, uh, of course, we've got a brand-new business opening next month, uh, True Rest, and you can actually go buy gift cards right now to give away for Christmas. Uh, and you can find, find us on Facebook at True Rest Starkville. And there's a form you can fill out and you can buy. And uh, matter of fact, you'll probably even get a chance to talk to my beautiful wife. She will facilitate the sale for you. Um, we're in the process of getting all that stuff set up. But you can buy a gift card now through True Rest. Uh, again, go to our Facebook page, True Rest Starkville, and get all the details you need. Uh, I'm telling you, we get calls every day of people like, I cannot believe this. And uh, I even spoke to some people. Uh, connected to Mississippi State football that we're absolutely amazed that we're going to have flow therapy here in Starkville. Absolutely amazed. The New England Patriots have three tanks. We're going to have four, right? And that's going to be some people from Mississippi State will use it, some student athletes will use it, but so more importantly, you can use it. It's not going to be limited to you, right, or by you. So come be a part of that. Again, that's True Rest Starkville on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram too, probably a little more prolific on Facebook, but uh, follow us on both uh, places. I'm going to get out of here, guys. And, uh, again, we'll see you in December. And uh, look forward to hopefully announcing some more coaching news uh, on jeanspage.com. Follow all the developments at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for all the support you've given me over the years. It does not go unnoticed. And I can tell you, there's sometimes you guys bring me to tears, man. Like, I, it's honest to goodness. Uh, it always seems at my lowest. I get a message or I'll read a post or I'll get something and somebody will say, hey, Steve, you know, I don't know that you know what you've done in my life, and it's be a, be a complete stranger. Like, uh, be people, uh, you know, our men and women in the armed forces or people that, that work out of the country that said, you know what, Steve, just listening to the show reminds me a little bit of home. And I've had other people that have messaged me when I post these things on Facebook about recovery and about uh, depression and things like that. I said, you know what, Steve, you just never know uh, who you're helping. And then I have so many people that message me and say, you know, what? I read that message today and it changed my whole attitude. And so I just try to be as positive as I can be about life because I'm not even supposed to be here anymore. Right. And so I'm living on borrowed time. And so we're going to do what we can uh, to spread as much positivity as we can. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.